I look for, for opportunities for us to agree. Uh, and that's what I've done my whole political life. Just, we're going to disagree on a lot of different things. But if we can find something that we have a common vision. From Vermont Center for Emerging Technologies, it's Start Here, a podcast sharing the stories of active, aspiring, and accidental entrepreneurs. This is a special episode of Start Here. You all know him as number 14 at Thunder Road Racetrack and now as the 82nd governor of Vermont. But what you might not know is that Governor Scott's roots lie in entrepreneurship. Welcome. This is Sam Roach Gerber and Dave Bradbury recording from Fairpoint Tech Hub in downtown Burlington, Vermont. Welcome, Governor. This is such an honor for, for our coworkers and for us. Thank you for coming today. Well, thanks for having me. It's always great to be here and uh, been here to your, your facility uh, uh, at least once or twice before and always impressive. Oh, great. And you well, came back. That's yeah, good. Yeah. That, yeah. Well, that puts the burden time. on us, sure. Sam, to make sure he doesn't leave less impressed. Yeah, for so, sure. <laughs> so let's kick it off. What's your first memory of being an entrepreneur? Was this a lemonade stand as a kid or? <laughs> well, I think when, when I was growing up, I grew up in Barrie and, uh, and I believe huh, it's hard to f- figure out which one was my first job because I did so many at the same time. But, uh, the, the traditional, in the traditional sense, mowing lawns, uh, now it's called uh, maintenance uh, <laughs> or something like that. Uh, but uh, but I think mowing lawns uh, and then uh, having a paper route. Uh, I think uh, paper route, the Times Argus in Barry uh, was uh, was something I look back almost fondly at this point in time because it taught you a lot about uh, keeping to a schedule, uh, trying to. Uh, then you, we had to collect our own money back then. Right. So we had to go from and and go like a bill collector, go from house to house to house. And uh, and uh, once a month, uh, collect the money and then turn it back in because you were responsible for that. If, if you didn't have all, didn't collect all your money, you still had to pay. So it, those are some life skills that, that may fall forward, right? No, I, it's absolutely true. I remember, I remember my uh, younger brother took over uh, my paper route uh, after I moved on to something bigger and better, <laughs> and he uh, he didn't get that concept. Uh, he actually uh, took all the money in and then he spent it and <laughs> and my mom had to uh, to bail him out so it was it was another life experience I think for him uh, but everyone's made up a little bit differently and then was your was your first formal first formal sort of business was that the motorcycle shop or uh, well again hard to say I, I've always uh, been a bit of an entrepreneur and doing whatever I could. Uh, to, to make some money. I started buying and selling things as well. Uh, whether it was, uh, like, uh, I remember buying a, a saving up and, and buying a, uh, a rowboat. Uh, and then I, I used it for a year and sold that. And then I thought that was pretty good. And I started selling, you know, a bike or two here and there. Uh, it was all, uh, all in the same, uh, frame of mind to try and, uh, utilize something and then, and then sell it to make some money off from it. Uh, but, uh, one of my ventures was, uh, I bought a, I bought a paddle boat. Uh, I spent a lot of time up in Lake Elmore and, uh, all my waking moments hunting and fishing and so forth. And they had, uh, my aunt and uncle had, uh, snowmobiles and so forth. So it was a big attraction for me. So I, uh, I bought a paddle boat, a brand new paddle boat and it was like $682. Not, not that anybody remembers you know, how much it's the just funny because that was right? a huge, huge amount of money to me. 
at that point. Is uh, that paper route money? Uh, no. Well, it was probably some of that, uh, the buying and selling money. Yeah. And so I, so I used it and I bought this uh, paddle boat and then I rented it out. Wow. And uh, so I was renting it out for a buck an hour, and and uh, but I paid for it in a year's time. Made it so, back. Yeah, and so I had it for uh, a few years after that. So it was. Uh, it was Did all it have profit. a name? No, no. It was a pelican. I remember it was a pelican. It was one of those yellow pelican uh, paddle boats, two seater, and uh, nobody else had one on the on the lake. And so well, I rented you saw it out. an opportunity, and that's uh, right. And you and that's you right. went for it. Yeah. Um. And did you, did you have, when did you have your first business partner? Was that? Uh, probably in the motorcycle business. Uh, I was, uh, I was going to college. I w- went to UVM. Uh, and so I was working sometimes working construction. Uh, but other times I was working at a motorcycle shop in, in Montpelier. Uh, always had, uh, an affection for anything with a, with a motor and wheels and so forth. Anything that turned, it didn't even have to have a motor, just something that, that, that turned and, and went fast. Uh, so, uh, uh, you know, I, I decided to start this motorcycle shop and uh, had a friend of mine that worked at IBM. And uh, this was right after I got out of uh, out of college. I was going to be a, a shop teacher, a tech ed teacher, and uh, then did my student teaching, received my certification, and then decided I wanted to be in business instead. So uh, that's what I did. I, I started this motorcycle shop. Uh, he was a, a uh, one of my partners uh, in the business, and uh, he continued to work. I worked the, the motorcycle end of things, but uh, again, taught taught me a lot about a lot of different things. Uh, again, going reaching back to to having to pay your bills, uh, trying to to uh, gather up uh, enough business to to stay uh, keep the lights on, uh, and then what do you do in the winter? Uh, so, in a motorcycle business in a small uh, rural town like Morrisville, that's where I had it. It was uh, it wasn't easy, so I've uh, I decided to I, I was only working maybe one day a week at that, uh, but I delivered fuel oil uh, as well. Uh, I had another friend that I I worked on his motorcycle, and uh, he worked at a uh, fuel oil dealer, and so I worked with him just delivering fuel. So did anything you could to survive, and, mm-hmm. and uh, so it was a. You know, again, tough learning experience, and, and then decided to to move forward and grow this business. Obtained a franchise, built a building, and uh, made a deal with a guy named Howard Manash. And oh, in for town. sure, yeah. And uh, he was very uh, uh, he he was an entrepreneur himself, and uh, again learned a lot of life lessons from him. Uh, one of them is uh, the handshake uh, that uh, you could count on him. His word was gold, uh, and his handshake meant everything. And to this day, uh, he deals uh, the same way. And so I've always appreciated that. I, I do business the same way, uh, that uh, I uh, look people in the eye. And, uh, and if uh, I believe uh, that they're telling me the truth, uh, I'll take them at their word. Um, so um, your word is your bond. So I, uh, I uh, made a deal with him. Uh, he had a piece of land. Uh, he gave me all the materials to build the shop, and I built it. And I was probably... And working on it nights and weekends and <clears throat> delivering oil, uh, during, during the day. And, uh, he would come over every now and then and see the, see the light burning over at that shop. And he'd come over and help me bang nails as well. Um, uh, but I received all my permits. I designed it. Uh, I, I, I was, you know, I could do construction, uh, uh, and so forth. 
And then about, um, I was 95% complete, almost ready to open up, and I received a notice from Mac 250 uh, that uh, I hadn't received my Act 250 permit. I didn't even know. I was 24 uh, so years old at the time. Was, uh, oh, no. I re- right. I received all my lo- local permits, uh, even uh, state permits for water and sewer and so forth. I didn't even know what Act 250 was. Uh, but it was a cease and desist order. And, uh, that put me out of business. Uh, that was it. I, I, it took a year to get through, uh, the permit process. Is that what propelled you toward? Well, then I, I worked for Howard Menashe at that point. Okay. Uh, so I worked for him and then I had an opportunity. I worked for him for about a year, had an opportunity to go back into the family business and in the construction business, uh, in, uh, Middlesex. So, um, that brought me back there, but, in my experience as a, uh, a business owner with the construction. And again, there was some uh, other uh, developments during that time. I, I went into the, uh, to the restaurant business at the same time. Uh, when I was in the, in the construction business, I, I always liked to, to build and create things. So I, I bought into a, a restaurant, uh, a couple of restaurants, the Shoney's. One was in Colchester, one was in uh, Berlin with three other partners. And, uh, we did that for a while and I had a, uh, had a bar and nightclub at the same time. Uh, again, another, oh my gosh. Uh, all at the you same must time. You must have one heck of a t-shirt collection oh, from yeah. all of these branded it, again, businesses. Again, it really teaches you a lot though. Um, and I remember one of the, the, again, life lessons, uh, and I was just going to be an investor in this uh, this bar and nightclub, uh, but then sure. uh, <laughs> then the manager, uh, the 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 partner manager, uh, decided to uh, to get a divorce, and uh, and he went uh, he went bankrupt actually, and uh, at that point in time, uh, I was left holding the bag, and uh, and I wanted to keep it going. So and I, I wanted to sell it, but I wanted to keep it going. So I found myself I was bartending, I was. Uh, I was cleaning, I was uh, washing, I was doing everything there. Uh, and then, it, you know, finding myself out in the middle of a parking lot at 2.30 in the morning, uh, it, breaking up fights and so forth. I mean... Hillstock I, bouncer. Yeah, huh? then I just thought, you didn't, know... Didn't see that one coming. <laughs> this, <laughs> this isn't really for me. Right. Uh, and uh, especially when you have to get up at uh, 5 or 5.30 to go to your construction business. So, uh, I, I, I said to myself then, uh, both in the restaurant, in the, in the bar business, that I'll never invest, I'll never do a, another thing that I don't want to, to fully understand and do every aspect of it and have a real love for it and a real passion for it. And, and I didn't, it wasn't in that business. How, about how old were you? Uh, it's probably uh, 32, probably, I would say. So I bought into the, this, uh, this, well, I can go back a little bit to the construction as well, but the construction business, I was 27 years old at the time when I had an opportunity to buy into this business. I didn't have any money. I mean, I had, I had, I, I had no money, zero. Um, so the uncle, uh, that was, uh, that owned this construction business wanted to sell, hadn't found a buyer. Uh, his son wanted to stay with the business, uh, my cousin. And, uh, so he said, I'll finance this for you. And, uh, and, but he said, I want $10,000 down. And I said, I don't have $10,000, but I had a, had a motorcycle, I had a pickup truck. Uh, so I ended up selling the, the motorcycle, the pickup and gathered up $10,000 because everything I had went into the, to the motorcycle shop. And, uh, so I didn't have many resources left. So he took that and then he financed the rest of it over 20 years. 
Well, wow. so I had to pay him every single week for 20 years. He said, I'll never live long enough to see my last payment. <laughs> But he did. He did. Uh, and, uh, and we survived. Well, we so. hear stories of, of families and communities and, and mentors that, that do see potential in, you know, young folks or yeah. folks that are That's hungry right. or maybe went through a career change. And that, I don't know, Sam, is such a special part about Vermont as we travel about and, and see, you know, a couple hundred businesses a year. It, it really makes a difference someone yes. believes someone takes a takes an interest in you and really does see the potential and that's what uh, howard Minosh did for me my uncle did for me um and that's what i, I you know i love to do for somebody else uh, trying to inspire them uh, but find their passion you know yeah. make sure it's really what you want to do and you and you like all aspects of it because there's nothing easy about being in business but there's nothing more rewarding either than being your, your own uh, business owner can you talk a little bit more about um, being in a business with family members? I mean, I think a lot of people, you know, think about going that direction, but, you know, you don't hear much positive coming out of it. Um, but I'd love to hear kind of your take on that. Yeah. You did it for a long I, time. I've seen, I've seen uh, those that are very successful and I've seen those that, that have failed miserably. Uh, and, it, and it usually is about uh, not, uh, not communicating. Uh, in the proper way and not being maybe too idealistic, uh, not uh, sitting down and really discussing what your roles are. Uh, and then and when problems arise, not discussing that either, uh, because it's it's a marriage uh, when you have a partner. And uh, but but it can be there, there's some aspects of it that are, are really, again, rewarding uh, and uh and can and can help uh, with a, with a business because you, you get to spread the burden a little bit, uh, yeah. take some of the burden off your shoulders, have someone you can connect with. Uh, but again, uh, you have to to understand what your roles are and who's who's in charge of what. I I watch with interest. I have a, a, some friends that are in the construction business, uh, four brothers, and uh, some would say that that will never work. Uh, but they have been very successful, but they all have their roles and they all have their interests in different aspects of that business. So uh, it's been successful. Another another construction business I've seen, there's, I think, four brothers in that. There's two uh, separate. One's in vertical construction, one's in one earth moving, and uh, both equally successful. But I've seen some failures as well. Yeah, I think you're totally right that communication is, is huge. I mean, between any partners, whether you're family or not, uh, yeah, any marriage, any partnership, uh, it's all the same. It's for the long haul, right? Yeah. And, and you know, it, it's about building uh, that bond uh, as well as, uh, again, uh, trying to build the team. Uh, and that's what I've, I've tried to do. Been very successful in, in racing uh, throughout my years, uh, whether it was snowmobile racing or, or stock car racing, but also... Uh, that team aspect is part of your business as well. If you can put together a good team, uh, you can you can have great results. Anything you look for specifically? I mean, some look for formal education. Others look for calloused fingers or or, or grit. Yeah. Anything that you've seen that really sort of makes you look twice at somebody initially? Yeah. You know, it's. Uh, I've been interviewing after uh, being elected to this position. Yeah, that's right. You've been doing some hiring right. recently. So, so, <laughs> so, right. So, so you have to build this whole administration. The day after you're elected, you start this transition, and and you're hiring all kinds of help. Uh, and we had uh, 1,200 people uh, uh, send in their resumes and and apply. 
propositions. So we uh, we knew we had a, a great depth, a great pool uh, to to choose from. So I uh, I started thinking about it in terms of I, I look at it in the four C's, uh, and the first one is character, character and integrity. Uh, that means a lot to me. And uh, and if you can't get through the character and integrity part. Uh, there's no sense uh, talking much further. So that's that's big uh, for me. Uh, the second C is uh, competence. Uh, are they competent at what, what you're hiring them to do? Uh, do they have the subject matter? Do they understand what they're doing? Uh, are they able, are they managers in, in this in this respect? Make sure that, that they have the competence or they, at least they have the, the, uh, the intellect or or the desire to do what you're asking them to do. Uh, the, the third is commitment. Uh, are they ready to do the tough work? Uh, they have the work ethic. Uh, are they able to, uh, in this case, work the long hours uh, and, and be subjected to, to a lot of uh, pushback? Uh, the fourth C, uh, the final one, is very difficult to d- define. And this is where uh, it's, it's not a perfect world, but it's chemistry. It's trying to bring all those pieces of the puzzle together. Because again, I've, I've had a lot of successful, uh, race teams, uh, been successful in, 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 you know, ups and downs in business. But, but I look back at it's the team approach and having that chemistry because you can like take a, a race team, for instance, you can have the, all the most talented people in one room, all the best people, the, the best engineers, the best, uh, motor builders, the best, whatever drivers, the best everything in, in one room. And you won't, you may not succeed because they don't have the right chemistry. They don't know how to work together. And uh, so it's tough to design, but it's to define, but it's part of how you, you know, you have a gut feel about somebody. And that's what it means to me, just talking with somebody and getting that gut feel. Do they, do they, do they follow the four C's? Are they able to get through that? I and like that, that, Sam. We may have to modify our shtick, which is with startups, we're saying, you know, you usually want three people. A hustler to sell it, a hacker to build it, and a hipster to make it yeah. desirable. And uh, maybe on the early end, that's apropos. But as you scale a team, you're right. I, I, I look at our, you know even in politics. Uh, I've been involved now in nine successful uh, elections, and uh, and some would say I remember my some of my first runs for for the Senate or lieutenant governor statewide. Uh, I've had this core of people that have followed me throughout the, the whole 16 years. And uh, and some would say, well, you know, you're going to the next level. You're going to have to step it up. You're going to have to have more professional. You're going to have to have, but I keep going back. I have this team that is, is it's not broken. All, don't fix no, it. No, they're all different. They're all, they have all the the different attributes. Yeah. Can't have all uh, everyone the same. I mean, it goes back to what you were saying. You need people from all walks of life. I, I remember a boss of mine in my finance career told me, listen, if I have two people always telling me the same thing and they're in agreement, I only need one of you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it, no. it, it sort of was a, was a prod to maybe think differently or learn or acquire different, different skills. Um, so you've had to divest, I think, from the family business. I did. And, I did. Uh, you're feeling a little unsteady without a, a business <laughs> under you. Uh, well, it is. The, you know, it, it is a little different. Uh, I have to admit, uh, after being in business for that many years, I'm sorry. A little bittersweet. I don't know about uh, it's. Yeah, I I have so many other things going on at this point in time. I'm not sure I had <laughs> time enough to to even focus on it. Uh, but after you put your life into something, uh, it's a little hard, a little difficult to let go. 
but uh, but I know it's in good hands, and I know they'll prosper. And and, and uh, my biggest fear is that they'll do much better without me. <laughs> <laughs> because you had the team. That's right? your ego. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's the team. Well, I, I, I listen. We're we're thrilled. Many of us in in the the business venture creation um, sector are, are really thrilled to sort of have an entrepreneur who's been there, done that, has successes and failures that, that may understand what uh, folks are facing today as they try to take on industry, create products, commercialize technologies out of the universities, yeah. and then sort of take on the proverbial man to, to, to mark their place in the world and, and maybe hire some, some young folks. You, so. you can't be afraid to fail. That's the other thing. You just can't be afraid to, to take that step, that leap of faith. Uh, I mean, you have to be on solid ground, do all your, all the work, but, but it's not for the faint of heart. Uh, uh, no, it isn't, right? And it's a measure of resiliency and grit. And, and exactly. I think often, too, we like to – a lot of times people celebrate how high and how grand their successes are, but I, I'm personally more interested how well they bounce. Yeah. Right? How do you pick yourself up because it's not going to be easy? And, and you know, people – we kind of forget in the rearview mirror, you know, it took 20 years for IDX. It took 16 or 17 years for, for dealer.com, right? It might take a, a retailer three or four years and to, to get to break even and profitability on some main street. And it, it's a grind. It's lonely. And yeah, I mean, every single podcast we've recorded so far, every entrepreneur we've talked to has taken a huge risk. You know, it's, it's scary, but if you don't do it, you won't benefit. And and you have to do it for the right reasons. Totally. Uh, you know, it's not about the money. It's about, you know. It can the, be because you'll never about, stay up that late. <laughs> right. It's about the ride. You know, it really is. It's about uh, about the thrill in, in some respects. And it is a grind some days. You, you know, you, you do leave your, you, and that's with anything you do. It leaves, your, leaves your, your head shaking wondering why you ever got into this. But then there's so many rewards uh, as well. The ups uh, far exceed the downs. Well, you had that really uh, awesome effort where you would go work in someone's shoes for a day. Yeah. And I, gosh, you might have done 40 different versions of... Yeah, can you tell me a little bit more about that? I, I've heard about this from Dave and I, I'm dying yeah. to hear more about it. Well, I call it the uh, Vermont Everyday Jobs Tour. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I... I, I decided to do it. Uh, it was mainly because of, of my good friend, Dick Mazza, Senator Mazza. And uh, we were of different parties, but he took me under his wing very early in my political life and uh, taught me the ropes, taught me about uh, integrity and, uh, you know, listening to others and, and uh, doing it for the right reasons. And, and he really, uh, we got to be great friends. Uh, so uh, during that time, uh, I was, uh, I remember going up to his store. I had a, uh, I kept this uh, like a houseboat in uh, Malice Bay, and I stay up there on weekends. But I get up early because I just get up early, and uh, so I go up, go up to a store on a Sunday morning, uh, very like at six or six thirty, and open up. So I go out and sweep his parking lot, and pretty soon he was having me stock shelves, and I was just keeping busy. I, I was just I just like to to learn different things, meet people. So then he got me, he had me out back and I was grinding meat, cutting meat, making sandwiches, doing all kinds of things in the business. And I thought this was just pretty cool, you know, get to, get to know a business, talk with people. And, uh, and I remember even some of his employees didn't know who I was at the time. And I remember being out back and there was a, a, a woman there that had worked for Dick for many, many years. And she said, uh, 
and I was making sandwiches uh, back uh, back there. And she, I said, "Well, what do you what do you think? How am I doing?" She said, "Well, I think you have to pick up the pace if you're going to stick around here." And <laughs> and, I, and and then after she found out, uh, this was when I was uh, maybe even lieutenant governor at the time, and she found out that I was lieutenant governor. I was just there for fun, <laughs> and uh, and she, was, she we laugh about it now, but uh, as well. It taught me about the struggles that people face. And so I went out on the road with this. I thought, you know, this is what I ought to do. If I really want to stay in touch with people, really connect with everyday Vermonters, what I need to do is go out and see what they do. Uh, so I, uh, I started, uh, I worked for, I taught second grade. I, I've worked for bakeries. I've worked on the ski slopes. I've worked at distilleries. I've worked at uh, uh, all, all kinds of different businesses. You name it, I've probably done it. Uh, large animal vet, uh, Green Mountain Power. Uh, Did you do any of them well, though? I'm still <laughs> on the sandwich <laughs> problem. They didn't, so. they didn't keep me. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't get any job offers? Well, not, not yet. In fact, I went to IBM before I came here, and I'd worked there for a day as well. So I was uh, At Global helping. Foundries? Yeah. Oh, great. Well, great. I, gave, I was at IBM at the time. Yep. Now it's Global Foundries, but I was just there. Uh, giving out an environmental award, and they all remember that I was there. So it meant something to them. But what I took back from that was uh, that uh, when I'm working side by side with some of these people, uh, they're they're telling me the stories about them working two, three jobs just trying to make ends meet. And I thought, what is it that is causing this problem in Vermont? And finally, I came to the conclusion that it's about our demographics, uh, affordability in Vermont, and 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 that's what drove me to to want to do more, to do better for Vermont and try to give back. And I thought uh, I need to add my voice along the way. And it was all about the economy uh, yep. for me. So that's uh, that's what I've done. I did probably 35 of these jobs throughout Vermont. Really, really interesting. See, I think that should be like a requirement. If you're going to be a politician in Vermont, you really have to know the people that, that you're working for. Well, you know, there's some truth to that as well. Um, when, when some are elected, uh, particularly those who've been there a while, they get uh, jaded a bit uh, and thinking that the world revolves around them under the under the gold dome at the state house when in reality it's it's about the people outside never forget the people so uh even though we're we're bickering and arguing and debating and so forth <clears throat> uh, some are paying little attention to what's going on there so you have to go out and talk to the people and make sure you connect with them yeah. and hear what they have to say listen that was Listen part of our, our big, you know, Visa has been around since I think doors opened 2005 at, at UVM. And, uh, you know, we made a lot of changes, and one of which was figuring out who really our customer was and why we were, what was our purpose, right? We were accelerating innovation and entrepreneurship. And if it's not about the entrepreneur, then why are we doing it? Right. Maybe someone else could do it better. Maybe it doesn't need to be done. And I think that, that, was our, that is our North Star. I mean, that, that's sort of where we, we find center. Um, and Sam, I can't believe we didn't ask him before he had a full schedule to come help us co-work and counsel startups for a day. Missed opportunity. Darn. Do you get summers off or, or no? No? <laughs> no, I don't even you get don't? weekends off okay. anymore. Uh, perfect. So let's, you mentioned, um, demographics and, and what, what, what do you, what do you think? We have three young people in the room, right? That, that love Vermont, from Vermont. Yeah. Uh, are here starting out on their careers and uh, you know what do you think as a community and as a state we can do to to yeah. maybe increase the millennials our odds of are success? coming that, that's <laughs> yeah. 
Well, the that's robots cool. are coming. The millennials are here. The yeah. millennials are bringing the robots, I think. And that's good news. <laughs> I mean, if we if we can find a way to keep them here, uh, because as I said, we have this population that's stagnant in Vermont, about 625,000 people. But we're losing this age group, 25 to 45. We've lost 30,000 of those people out of that category in the last 10 years. So when you think about that, uh, that's our workforce. Those are the folks that buy homes, have families, utilize services, buy products, and pay taxes on top of that. So if you have less people uh, paying taxes, uh, then it puts the burden on the rest of us. So, so what we need to do is figure out why aren't they staying? You know, why aren't you staying? Uh, it's, I think it's from, from what I've gathered, it's about opportunity, uh, making sure that there's a, a, a good paying job that they, they really have a passion for, that, that they're trained for. So having a, an opportunity, a job, uh, but also being able to afford to stay here, uh, whether it's, uh, it's affordable housing, I think. Oh, uh, yeah. Here, here. That's our number one. Yeah. Uh, not complaint, but number one challenge with our 160 or so folks that we hear is is housing that's affordable, of a decent quality. Right. That is for the working what, class, absolutely. You know, I mean that that's where I think we're missing it a bit, and and so I look for for opportunities for us to agree, uh, and that's what I've done my whole political life. Just we're going to disagree on a lot of different things, but if we can find something that we have a common vision, common goal. And I believe that most people, most legislators, most most of us in Vermont would agree that we want affordable housing. We want affordable housing for all, uh, decent housing. So, so if we all agree that that's what our goal is, then we should be able to to, to accomplish that. And let's look for why, the reasons why not. Uh, is is it a bottleneck in terms of uh, the permitting process? Is it the lack of uh, resources, uh, capital, and so forth? What is it? Why is it that we can't have more of this? So, so we're going to we're partnering. Uh, my budget is uh, is proposing that we we partner with the Vermont Housing Conservation Board (VHCB) uh, and and uh, give them a little bit more money so that they can leverage that and and we'll get a thirty five million dollar bond and try and go out and see what we can do and, and trying to find some, you know build some affordable housing because I think that will that's one of those obstacles. Let's take that off the table if we can. Totally. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge problem. You know, the other thing we hear with uh, young folks back around that visibility to opportunities, right? Um, you know, there are internships and there's, we don't have a co-op program, for example. Like, oh, don't get me started. Oh, let's get you started, okay. Sam. Let's, let's, this is your chance. Yeah, the so governor's here. I, uh, I'm from Massachusetts and I went to Northeastern University in Boston um, and it's a well-known school for having a co-op program. So everyone graduates from Northeastern with a year and a half of experience in their field. So whether it's they start and they do a six-month internship as a sophomore and find out that they don't want to go to inter- into engineering, and then they do their second co-op their junior year, and they decide that they actually want to teach, by their junior, senior year, they can have another six-month internship in that field and graduate with a job. Um, it's something I'm super passionate about it. Um, you know, you can make money during your co-op and, and pay for your next semester of school or put money towards it or sustain yourself, um, with rent and food and other things that keep you alive. Um, so, I mean, that's a huge thing that I think Vermont is missing and, and we could all benefit from it. The companies could benefit from it. Students could benefit from it. Um, and Northeastern has some pretty crazy stats on, on 
you know, students that are that are hired right out of school and, and stay in the area. Uh, it's, it's a great idea. I remember we had that uh, when I was in high school. We had a co-op program. I was in vocational trades uh, at the time. So uh, I think it's it's worthwhile. It's something that we really need to do. Connect. You know, we have a low unemployment rate in Vermont, but we have to somehow uh, connect those who who are seeking jobs with those who are who are, who are looking to find one. Absolutely, and there's a disconnect here. Yeah, and somewhere. I mean, uh, when you do a, a six month internship instead of a three month internship, there's opportunity for training and education too. You know, a three month internship doesn't do enough because you, you can't really train the student. You can kind of have them shadow, but it's it's not quite deep enough. So. I definitely agree with you. Yeah, one of the things I've been encouraged about is other co-working spaces, uh, maker spaces, yeah. accelerator spaces. I, I don't care what you call it. Right. Been- You're creating places of density where just here at, at this Fairpoint location, um, I don't know, a good portion of our members are new to Burlington and Vermont. And this is how they connect and meet. We have probably over a third of our folks now are students. And the best student comment we ever heard was a Champlain College kid who came in, came up these stairs and said, oh my gosh, Silicon Valley's across the street. I had no idea. Now, that's a stretch, but (laughs) aspirationally is pretty cool. Or we just brought our class of Middlebury entrepreneurs on a tour of Burlington and and dealer.com. And we had uh, local Middlebury companies come in and talk with them and their eyes light up. And the world of possibilities. So we got to what, go over to the generator and see Lars, yeah. and 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 I think that's where we're through our female founders series we just kicked off, uh, and also through this podcast trying to share stories in communities to maybe inspire and get folks to come back, stick if they're already here, and 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 let's get to work. Well, you're right because we have uh, forty thousand uh, students in Vermont. They come here for a reason. They either stay here or come here because they love Vermont in some respect. So we just need to find reasons for them to stay. And this is a great opportunity to do that. You've done a wonderful job here and throughout Vermont. And and we're my budget proposes investing more uh, and trying to leverage uh, those opportunities and really? more tax credits. Awesome. Right for Outstanding. Absolutely. I, I didn't read the whole budget. It's kind of long. So, sorry. Spartan's <laughs> version. Well, just remember that part. <laughs> it's it's kind of long. Just definitely remember that part. What, which, uh, if we could narrow it down to sort of technology specifically and the technology ecosystems, uh, what gives you hope there or what's the, the immediate challenge that, you know, what, what seems to be working well and what's, What's a, what's well, a constraint or a challenge? Yeah, you know, when I look at Vermont, uh, it's not all doom and gloom. And I know I, I talk about our challenges a lot, uh, but we're, we're so innovative by nature. Uh, so we have a deep, rich uh, history of being of innovation. And we just need to leverage that in all different aspects. I, I don't think manufacturing is done uh, either. And, and uh, it, may, it may take a different form. Uh, but uh, but it's not done here in Vermont. Uh, we have uh, we have a lot to look forward to there, as well. Uh, you know that's why I like uh, the quality of life in Vermont is something that's uh, not difficult to sell. And and so, but I think that we can enhance. We need to find more opportunities. When when you look at, uh, I remember some. I, I answered this on my first uh, first um, uh, debate uh, that we went to, and and some people. <coughs> um, I didn't explain it very well at the time, probably, but, uh, but IBM, uh, was, came here, set up shop here, uh, because of, 
of one one person's love of Vermont and the skiing in particular. And that's what drew uh, the Watson, uh, Tom Watson here and had him stay and set up shop and, and look at how, how that has uh, grown and blossomed and, and created other opportunities throughout Chittenden County. So we don't know who the next Tom Watson is going to be, but it could be coming down the Kingdom Trails or, or coming down, or, or coming down uh, the zip line somewhere or doing whatever it is. You never know. So there's that aspect. We can't, we can't, I can't underscore how important it is, uh, that we uh, continue to invest in some of those aspects because that could provide for economic opportunity in the future. Yeah. I think, Absolutely. you know, by my math, uh, you know, we have a wealth and income challenge in Vermont. Like you said, there's plenty, there's jobs. Um, we have a low unemployment, and there's there's only really three quick ways to to work on that income and wealth challenge, and that's financial speculation. We're not, we don't have a bunch of hedge funds right. moving in. Real estate speculation, that's really population growth tied. We don't have that yet. And then the third is entrepreneurship. Yeah. So it's sort of our default business model, and I think it's refreshing to see communities throughout the state and and leadership talking about it, trying to collectively get the we forward. And and we want to thank you for that. Well, again, my principle, the principles that uh, guide me, uh, something I talk about uh, throughout. I named it my inaugural address, but. It's about growing the economy and making Vermont more affordable, taking care of the most vulnerable. Those are the three three things that 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 I use as principles every single day, and uh, and it's something that guides us uh, to the future. So, Governor Scott, uh, all of that change, you know, will take time and a lot of hard work. So, we like to give you kind of a um, an inspirational question um, that should should trigger some creativity here. Um, we like to ask everyone. If you had a magic wand, so you don't have to like go through all the legislature, you could just use your magic wand. Um, I, I think it's executive orders is what's going on <laughs> nowadays. Orders, Maybe that's yeah. a light. We should probably not yeah. go there. Let's, let's just call it a magic wand. Exactly. Magic wand, yeah. If you could change one thing in Vermont today, right now, what would you change? Uh, I would make Vermont more affordable. I think that that's, that is the key to uh, unlocking a, a lot of the obstacles that many face for, to stay here, to grow here, uh, to, to set up shop here, uh, and Heck to, yeah. to live. Yeah. I love that one. Yeah. What do you think, Dave? Absolutely. Um, I think, uh, better days are ahead. It takes a lot of people pulling oars together. And, you know, was the horizon's out there. Pun? It may not be absolutely certain, but we'll get there. I think there was a rowboat pun in there. Is that well, I was trying to tie it back to the paddleboard. Paddleboat. Yeah, yeah the, the paddleboat. Paddle exactly but I, I know, I'm like, that's yeah. sort of an no, awkward pedal. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll think. We'll work on our, our pelican, I think, was the brand. Was it? Was that what you, pelican? pelican. Yeah. Pelican. yeah. We'll check that out, and maybe we'll put a picture on our website um, for that. But I wanted to thank you for taking time early in your administration and schedule to, to come by uh, VSAT. Yeah. And, and chat with us today about, about entrepreneurship. Well, I thank you for all you do uh, to try and grow this economy for Vermonters and uh, to, to, again, to make uh, life better for Vermont. Absolutely. Thank you, Governor Scott. This has been Start Here with Sam and Dave, a podcast sharing the stories of active, aspiring, and accidental entrepreneurs. This series was made possible by the Vermont Technology Council and Fairpoint Communications. Follow us at VSET, that's V-C-E-T, Thanks for listening and let's get back to work.